Good morning. Oh, let's try that again. Good morning. There you go. Welcome to Freedom and an early happy Thanksgiving to you. So glad to have you here today. So good to, uh, on the week of Thanksgiving, to just get to be able to start the week right here doing what this week is all about. Just gathered, focus on the one that this week is all about. I, um, I just sort of accidentally uh, ran across the uh, presidential decree from about 230 years ago from uh, President Washington at the first Thanksgiving, the first American Thanksgiving, where he was saying that, uh, and, and I was just thinking, in what stark contrast this stands to what we're so accustomed to hearing on CNN and Fox today out of Washington, that he was just saying, I speak to you today based on the appeal of both houses of Congress who have both asked me to set apart a day that we as a nation would give thanks to Almighty God because of the abundance of blessings that we live with. I was just reminded of what a rich heritage that we have. When you hear people talking all this garbage about how religion has no place in government, you just take that for what it is. It's hogwash. We live in a nation that is founded on faith in the one true God. And this week is a week set apart in our nation to give thanks to God for who he is and for what he's done and for all that we enjoy. And so uh, today is all about that from start to finish is a day to just declare the goodness of God and to give thanks to God. And it's so fitting. We try and make sure we always do this, that we observe communion on uh, the Sunday that we pause to give thanks. Because actually, you know, we refer to it as communion, but the other term that's most frequently used for it is Eucharist, uh, which literally means Thanksgiving. It is the meal of Thanksgiving. It is the, the thing that Jesus specifically gave to us and said, do this again and again when you gather. Pause to remember and give thanks. Everything hinges on the cross. Everything hinges on Jesus' passion, on his shed blood, on, on his tortured and broken body. And because of that... We can know freedom, we can know forgiveness, we can know life and power and meaning and direction. All of that hinges on what Christ has done. And so today, we gather to celebrate that and to give thanks and to, to enter into that again. So I'm so glad that you're here today to be a part of that. We'll interrupt the flow of worship just long enough to ask you to do one thing. If you're home folks, you know this. Grab that little cream-colored card out of the... the uh, seat in front of you. Take just a moment, if you will, to let us know that you're here. There are places on the back. If you make a decision today or you need more information or you need prayer, that you can indicate that. When we receive the offering at the end of the service, if you'll drop that in, we appreciate you doing that. If you're a guest, we are so glad that you're here. I appreciate you uh, spending the day with us, and we just want you to relax and enjoy the day that has been planned. As I said, uh, a focal point of what we're doing today is time at the table where we pause to remember Jesus' sacrifice, his death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, we want you to know that the table is always open to everyone who's a follower of Christ, regardless of your church affiliation. And we always want this to be uh, in the context of worship. So you stand or sit or kneel or whatever you want to during this time and, and just use this as a time of worship or of listening for the voice of God. 
as we just come up uh, during the course of the next few songs to receive whenever you're ready to. We'll have stations on either side for you to be served and, and prayed over before you return to your seats. I just want to invite you to come and from start to finish in this time to let this be a time of thanksgiving but i also want you to know that this is always a ministry time as well if you need prayer uh, we want you to know that the altar is open for you to feel free to come forward to uh, to be prayed over during this time and so we want to come with hearts that are prepared to encounter christ and so i want to invite you to join me as we bow together and uh, just seek to make sure that we're at a place where we're right with god and we can just enter into his presence jesus we pause now to just say again how much we love you and how grateful we are for your love when we were far from you and our hearts had no interest in turning to you you pursued us you loved us you paid the price we could not pay so that we could know forgiveness and the joy of life and belonging to to your family and we give you thanks for that today as just with one voice as your people we say thank you Thank you for loving us that much. We realize that as long as we've known you, we still get tripped up. We still get off course. And we don't want our sin, our bad choices, our neglect to stand in the way of today just having a fresh time of encountering you and hearing your voice. And so we ask you, Holy Spirit, would you bring your conviction and an awareness of what it is in our lives that maybe is unconfessed that we need to just bring before you now. And so we just pause in silence before you and ask you, would you speak? Would you expose unconfessed sin? As God brings things to light, would you just just agree with him about that? Just confess it as sin. Give thanks for the blood of Jesus that covers and cleanses. Jesus, we ask you today in a fresh way to forgive us of our sins. We give you thanks that you've paid the price in full. And we pray now that you would remove the burden of guilt and that you replace it with the joy of your salvation. Holy Spirit, come and fill us. Come and meet us now. We pause and remember, Lord Jesus, how on the night you were betrayed, how you gathered with your disciples, you broke bread, and you shared it with them, and you said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. And how after supper you took the cup and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus, we remember your broken body and your shed blood. And we ask that today you would impart life as we come to receive. We love you. We welcome your work, your Holy Spirit. And we pray these things, Jesus, in your name. And all of God's people said, Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand together with me. I'll invite the servers to come and join me at the front. And just when you're ready, you feel free to come forward to receive. Daily. 
Oh, the joy of 
Ah. Uh-huh. 
Spirit, we do ask you to come in and let us feel your presence, Lord. Lord, we come here this morning expecting the word from you this morning. Lord, we can't wait to hear what it is that you would work through, Mark, to have us here this morning. Lord, we just love you. We thank you. We give you all the glory, and it's in the name of Jesus Christ, your Holy Son, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We'll invite our children who are sixth grade and under uh, to follow Miss Lynn out around for their teaching time. Uh, Again, welcome to Freedom. Glad that you're here today, and to those of you who are joining us online, welcome to Freedom Online. We really... Uh, are so grateful that you take the time out to be a part of worship in that way, and uh, your your involvement that way matters to us. Well, it is uh, Thanksgiving week, and uh, I don't know what that does for you. As we were praying together, our leadership team this morning, someone was uh, mentioning a coworker who's uh, experiencing the first Thanksgiving without a, a child that was lost this year, and I, I know um, the holidays can be a really heavy season. They can be a fun season. They can be a joyful season. So it just, we're always a mixed bag when Thanksgiving and Christmas rolls around as to what that brings uh, for you. But I hope today's going to be a message of hope and encouragement that'll help you to make the most of the week and weeks ahead. Um, I was uh, reading a little uh, Peanuts cartoon this week that brought some proper perspective maybe to this week. You know, if nobody else can, Charlie Brown can always put a healthy perspective on things. Uh, It was an old one where uh, Snoopy was looking at everybody else on Thanksgiving Day, enjoying their big feast and all the special food that they were getting on Thanksgiving. And then the next scene, Charlie Brown is walking out to Snoopy's doghouse, bringing him his bowl of his food that he gets the other 364 days out of the year. And Snoopy looks down at his food and he looks at what everybody else is eating and thinks what you would imagine. You'd be thinking, looking at the same old food that you get every other day of the year. And then in the final caption, Snoopy puts the right spin on it and he says, well, at least I'm not the turkey. So whatever else you may feel bringing you down this week, you just remind yourself, whatever comes this week, at least I'm not the turkey. Well, I'm going to invite you to uh, open your Bibles with me to uh, Psalm 95. We're going to be in two places this morning. If you want to put your finger in two different places, we're going to open in Psalm 95, and we're going to move eventually to Exodus 16. So if you want to be uh, looking to both of those passages. We're in a series right now that's entitled Avoiding the Pitfalls. And what this series, it's just going to be a few weeks, but what it's focused on is just understanding that God wants us to walk in abundance. God wants us to walk in favor and, and in a place of blessing. Do you believe that? I, I ask you that because I think some of us grew up in church traditions where we, I don't know, sort of emerged from that feeling like God's mad at us and he's accepting us but only as stepkids and life's going to be hard and we deserve for it to be hard and one day we're going to get to heaven and we don't even deserve that. you know, And it's just almost like just life ought to be hard because we've been so bad. And There's a part of that that's just junk. The truth of the matter is, God is good, and we are his children, and he loves us, and he wants us to walk in favor. 
He wants us to experience his blessing. It doesn't mean that you get to live without any trials or troubles, but we should live in God's favor and in a place of rest. But there are all these things that can trip us up, that can get us off course. There are pitfalls that we can step into that will prevent us from experiencing the good things that God has for us. And so this series is focused on those, and today is specifically targeting one of those things that can trip us up in a message that I have entitled grumbling or grateful. And we're going to go back and revisit the passage that Augustine read this morning. I'm telling you, I'm going to turn Augustine loose to preach one of these times. She, she's ready. <clears throat> Augustine is, is in our small group and uh, she adds a lot to the small group. She is a joy. Well, Psalm 95, David says this, Come, let us shout joyfully to the Lord, shout triumphantly to the rock of our salvation. As I was just rereading that this morning, I thought, how lousy we are at doing some of what the psalmist calls us to do in worship. I read that and I just think that confirms for me that David was not a Baptist or Methodist, a Presbyterian or an Episcopalian. Because he's all the time telling us in worship, come on and let's shout together. I've been in church for nine months longer than I've been on the earth. I mean, I have always been in church. We never learned to shout in church. How many of you grew up in traditions where you ever just, worship was a, was a shouting kind of experience? A few of you. All right, for the other 90% of us, we're going to have shouting practice right here this morning. All right, some of you are going, oh, I wish I hadn't come today. He's not waxing rhetorical here. What he is saying is that same enthusiasm and excitement that you have on Saturday when you can't hold it in because they just broke loose for the go-ahead touchdown and you could not contain it and you shouted. He's saying bring some of that to worship. Bring some of that enthusiasm before Jesus. So we're going to try it out this morning. All right. I'm going, I'm going to say it to you and I want you to just shout it back at me. Can you handle that? We'll start easy. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is King. Jesus reigns. Jesus is mine. And I am his. Praise Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is good. Give him a thank offering. Y'all catch on pretty quickly. I hear you. All right. We're going to get free in here. That's right, Vicky. We're going we're gonna to find freedom. All right, we'll start over. I'm, I'm proud of you. Come, let us shout joyfully to the Lord. It does bring joy, just, just a little, little something. I, I, I tell you, I, I know I'm, I'm chasing a rabbit, but I, we did. I grew up in a tradition where this room was the sanctum, sanctum. You don't run and you don't get loud. You, you just kind of sit on your hands. We just need to get free in his presence. There's a time to be quiet in his presence, and there's a time to get loud. Come, let us shout joyfully to the Lord. Shout triumphantly to the rock of our salvation. Let us enter his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout triumphantly to him in song. Tony, we're just going to have to raise the volume some. Shout in song. 
For the Lord is a great God. Why are we doing all this shouting? He's going to tell you why. For the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. The depths of the earth are in his hand, and the mountain peaks are his. The sea is his. He made it. His hands formed the dry land. So come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture, the sheep under His care. Today, if you hear His voice, now, we're going to shift gears here. I'm reading out of the uh, HCSB, and it comes under the heading, the whole psalm under the heading of worship and warning. So all that's been a call to worship. Now he's going to warn us about the pitfall that can keep us from living in this place. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as at Meribah and as on the the day at Massah in the wilderness where your fathers tested me. And you may read that and go, what is he talking about? We're going to explain that in just a minute. They tried me. Now, we've shifted gears. It's, It's David now. God speaking through David's pen. God speaking to us. They tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years, I was disgusted with that generation. Well, that's some strong language. I wonder what God says about our generation. I was disgusted with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray. They do not know my ways. So I swore in my anger, they will not enter my rest. That is a disturbing and scary word. When God says over a generation, they're not going to get it. They're not going to enter into my rest. Here's the good news. God wants very much for you to enter into and live in his rest. It's a message that's so out of step with our our modern mindset and our culture, which is all about being busy, busy, busy. Go, go, go. The more you do, the more value your life has. And one of just the primary themes of Scripture, Old and New Testaments, is about entering into the rest of God. I want to tell you, that place is the sweet spot. When you're in that place, you have power. You have strength and energy. You have new reserves for everything that you encounter when you live in this place of rest in the presence of God. You see, the place of rest that he's talking about there, it is the place of favor. I've said before, the favor of God is the WD-40 of life. You know, where you just, something is stuck and you just go, you put a little WD-40 on there and it's just broken loose. Now it'll just turn, it'll move, it'll do what it's supposed to do. Life gets you stuck in all kinds of places, doesn't it? And what you need is the favor of God to come in and give a little Holy Spirit to your situation. Suddenly, when there's divine favor, things just start moving. Things start back flowing and working like they're supposed to. And it's such a place of rest to be there because you're not having to, I've got to break this loose. No. When you got a little divine WD-40 going on, no, it just, it just moves. It's like, I can do this all day long. We're in the, we've been moving all week. We, we moved Thursday to a, a different home. I hate, it. I hate moving with a passion. I think I'd rather have my gallbladder taken out than ever move again. It's just, it's such a pain. But uh, all, all the stuff there is to do. And 
one of the last things we were doing is going back to in the old house and taking the last things out. And, and there was something mounted on the wall that one of the kids had mounted on the wall. Put 12 screws in to mount this thing on the wall. Why? You'd put 12 screws in the wall to mount one thing. This big. So I'm in there just, just fighting. I'm like, I'm going to be here all night. After, we're talking long screws in the studs. I'm like, what in the world? And then it occurred to me. We got a power drill. We got we got a cordless drill. I can just I ran back to the house and the new house and got that thing and in a matter of seconds knocked that thing out. It, it, it's just a picture of the difference between having to do life in your own strength, muscling your way through life, and living in a place of God's rest where it's it's power beyond you. But God gives this warning. Be careful. Be careful you don't do what some other generations have done where they fell into a trap that kept them from ever living in this place of rest, this place of favor, this place of divine power. If you're not careful, you could do what another generation has done. Well, what is that? They lost a sense of gratitude and they became grumblers rather than grateful people. And I'm telling you, that alone will cause you to miss out on the favor of God and the rest and the peace of God. So, from this passage, what I want to do is I want to share a couple of important truths with you, and then I want to offer a couple of insights as to the problem for us and how we can get past this. So, first of all, just two important truths. If you've got your outline, you may want to pull it out and follow along here. First truth from the passage is this. Gratitude is a choice that brings joy and reduces stress. It is. It, it is a choice. He, he opens by saying, come, let us sing for joy. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. He doesn't say if things are going well, if you're having a good week, if things are lining up for you, then give God praise. No, he's just saying to everybody in the congregation, you choose to come and you bring it. You bring your praise. You bring your thanksgiving. You give God thanks every day. And when that happens, joy comes in return. Heaviness is lifted. I will tell you, as strong as any antidepressant on the market, if you're struggling with just being down, if you're struggling with depression, and I'm not, trust me, I'm not talking down to you. I understand that's a very real struggle. One of the most powerful things you can do to combat that is to become a person of gratitude who every day is careful to just give thanks for what you have. And it is a choice to give thanks. And when we give God praise and thanks, it just does something in us. Now, I said that this week we moved, and I hate moving, and I do. But I'll tell you, it was a double whammy because I was sick. I was sick last Sunday when I preached, and I went home and crashed after that and just felt rotten for the next few days. And then we had to move on top of that, and I'm just, I'm wanting to just sing the, the poor old Mark pity song because I, I hate moving and I hate being sick, and I had them at the same time. And we just weren't at a place that we could stop. The movers were coming on Thursday, and we had 100 boxes to pack, and it was just not a pleasant situation. But what I found myself doing, and, and Jackie is... Jackie will outwork any man in the room. She, she is something else. So she's going 90 miles an hour, but there's no way she can get it all done. And so I'm just trying to halfway keep up with her as I'm doing this, wanting to sing the, the poor old me song. But 
I chose instead to just in my spirit just start singing songs of praise. Just, just giving praise to God while we were doing that. And I just found myself all day long just my load being lifted. I didn't feel, I still didn't feel good. I still hated moving, but I just found that I had joy in my heart every day because just inside, I'm just singing praise to Jesus. It's a choice you make and it lightens your load. Second truth is this. Our peace and joy are to be rooted in the goodness of God. This is why it doesn't matter what's going on around you. You can have a grateful heart and you can have joy in spite of how miserable your circumstances may be. He he says why we do all of this shouting and praising and giving thanks. For the Lord is the great God. He's the great king above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. When he says in the Lord's hands are the depths of the earth, yes, he is in part referring to the deepest, darkest valleys on earth. That those belong to the Lord, but it's also figurative speech there. It's a picture of your life. The darkest, deepest valleys of your life belong to the Lord. They're in His hand. So when you're passing through those, when you're passing through the stuff that you think, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can get through this. I'm so overwhelmed. I feel so alone. You are not because the deep places, the deep, dark places are in His hands. That means He's got you through that. He's with you through that. The depths of the earth and the mountain peaks are his. The mountain peaks are the highest places you ever go in life. The woohoo, life just can't get any better than this. Those belong to God and these belong to God and everything in between. And he is good and we are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture and he doesn't have any sheep he doesn't like. So we can always be grateful. If you don't have anything else you can give thanks for, you just give thanks for this, that you belong to God. He claims you as his and he takes care of his. That's a lot to be thankful for in itself, isn't it? But now there is a problem. There are a couple of problems, two fundamental problems that I want to point out that he brings up here. And the first one is this, that we feel entitled... To what we had in the past. And you may say, well, how do you get that from the the text? Well, he brings it up whenever he says, now, don't you harden your hearts like your ancestors did at Meribah and at Massa. He's referencing back to Exodus 16 and 17 and Numbers 11. And I just want to quickly remind you, I'm not going to read these chapters to you. I'll read just a, a short passage here to remind you. He's referencing back to a time when previous generations, a bunch of generations of, of the family of God here, the Jewish nation, had been captives in Egypt. They spent 400 years there. And most of those 400 years, they were slaves. Try and get your head around that. I mean, as a nation, we're about 240 years old, and that feels like eternity, you know, to think all the way back to the days of of Washington and the Revolutionary War, and to think that the Hebrew people spent 400 years as slaves in a foreign land. And it was a horrible life that they had. And God took pity on his people. He heard their cry for some kind of relief. And when he intervened, I mean, he did it in a big way. He didn't just get them loose. He set them free in a way that they never had to fight for their freedom. 
Not a one of them had to shed their, li- shed their blood or give their lives in order to be free. He just worked miraculously to set them free. And they didn't just walk out as empty-handed slaves. I mean, what God pulled off, nobody could have believed in advance. Because through sending these plagues and speaking through Moses, he orchestrated in things in such a way that the people of Egypt would say to their slaves, Please, you go. You go and worship your God. And as you go, here, take our gold and our silver. You take our jewelry. We just want you to be happy. We want your God to be happy and leave us alone. So they walked out completely free, didn't have to fight to get free, and they're walking out with wealth in their their packs and in their hands, wealth that they did not work for. And they're headed for a land that God's already said in advance, I'm going to give you this land as an eternal inheritance, and you're going to go into cities that you didn't build. You're going to inhabit houses that you didn't build or pay for, and you're going to eat the crops in their fields that they planted and they cultivated, and you didn't even work it, and you are going to eat their food. Wow. That ain't even fair, but it sure is good. You want to talk about favor, that's favor. You didn't even fight for your freedom, and you get to be free. You didn't even build the city, but you get to live in it. You didn't build the house, but you get to own it. You didn't plant the food, and you get to eat it. That is God's place of rest, favor. And an entire generation that all of that had been planned for missed it. Because when they walked out under the favor of God, the covering of God, and they faced the Red Sea and they're going, oh, we're going to die, we're going to die, we're going to die. God made a way and they cross over and the army that's pursuing them is destroyed. And you'd think, man, at this point these people are going to be on the mountaintop. They're believing God. They're just giving thanks to God. But they're not. They're not a grateful people. You'd think they'd be going, we used to be slaves and now we're finally free. Praise God. Praise God we're free. But you know what they said? I'm hungry. God bring us out here to starve to death? What are we going to eat? Now let me just ask you, if God went to all the trouble of everything it took to set two million people free, crosses over the Red Sea, kills an entire army, all of this... You think he's going to get him out there and go, ah, I forgot the meal plan. I forgot I'm going to have to feed these people. They get to the other side and immediately they begin to grumble. I mean like, not just like, oh, I'm having a bad day. No, it's like, we ought to kill these folks that are leading us. They have just led us into the wilderness. Bunch of idiots. We ought to just get rid of them. And so that's what's going on. In Exodus 16, I'm just going to read the opening verses. The entire Israelite community departed from Elim and came to the wilderness of, it's probably pronounced Sin, but it's spelled just like Sin, S-I-N, which is between Elam and Sinai. And on the 15th day of the second month after they had left the land of Egypt, the entire Israelite community grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. It's funny, if you read these two chapters, it must say grumbled at least 10 or 12 times. They just grumbled. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt, when we sat by pots of meat and ate all the bread we wanted. Instead, you brought us into the wilderness to make this whole assembly die of hunger. Woe is me. And then the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to rain bread from heaven for you. The people are going out. 
The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. And this way I will test them to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as what they gather on other days. Now, if we took the time to read all of chapter 16 and 17 as well as Numbers 11, because Numbers 11 gives you sort of the more detailed picture of what happens, you find out on this day, and I'm sure more than just a day in this period, the people are just, they're so sad and in rebellion and grumbling because they don't know what they're going to eat. We had food back in Egypt. And so when that gets addressed and God sends manna from heaven, which is, I can't wait to, to get to see what that is. The, the Lord calls it the bread of heaven. He would cover the ground as if it were dew, and they just go out and gather it every day. They didn't plant it. They didn't have to work for it. They just pick it up. They could do all kinds of things with it to eat it, cook it, and eat it. And they didn't know what to call it, so they called it manna, which means what is it, which is funny. So that they literally are, are, are every day, they're eat, what, what are you eating? What is it? Yeah, that's what I was asking you. What is, that's what I'm eating. What is it? You know, They just called it, what is it? And so they ate that for a while, and then they started grumbling about that. We're sick of what is it. We, we're just we're tired of eating what is it all the time. Now, they weren't supposed to have to eat that for very long because the Lord was going to just, just, it's not a long distance across Sinai and into the promised land. And he said, go on in. The crops that have been planted for this year is what I want you to eat this year. He's just going to bridge them between the slavery they've been in and the life that he has for them. He's just going to bridge them over for a little while with the bread of heaven. Now, y'all, this is a picture of life. We all live through this. All of us find ourselves at times in life where we are in an unhappy place. We are in Egypt. We are enslaved to, to, enslaved to something bad. And we can only get free from it by the power of God. How many of you have ever been there? I have too. If you hand it up, let me just go ahead and tell you, you have been there. You just don't recognize it. We have all been enslaved in a place that we could not get out of. Whether it's a behavior or a relationship or a financial hole or whatever. In a situation you can't get out of. And there's a place God wants to get you to. And God will usually come to a point that he speaks to you about, he shows you what he wants to get you to, where you're going to be free and it's going to be a different, better life. But here's the kicker. There's always a desert between where you are and where God wants to get you to. There's always this place that you have to pass through where you're not going to know in advance how you're going to get through that. Where you're going to have to completely trust God. Where you're going, but wait a minute, how am I going to do that? How am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to survive? What am I going to do if I don't have a job or if I'm not in this relationship? How do I get from here to there? And God will usually say in that time, trust me. The answer basically in short is, you're going to eat the bread of heaven in that season. What is it? That's exactly right. That's what you're going to get. But what is it? Yep, that's what I'm going to feed you with. The point being, you, you're not going to know, and even when it's done and over with, you're probably still going to go, I don't even know how we did it. Some of us could stand and testify right now and say, I can tell you about the toughest time in my life, how God got me through it, I don't even know. I could just call that whole season, what is it, what was it? Because some, somehow he paid the bills, somehow he got us through, somehow he got me a job, somehow he just he took me from where I was and he took me to where I needed to be. And in between there was this dark season. Can't even tell you how he did it. He just did it. He just fed me with the bread of heaven. Thank you, God. Yes, yes. Well, 
They just grumbled the whole time. We're not going to have anything to eat. I'll feed you the bread of heaven. Well, that's pretty nice. They start eating the bread of heaven. Well, we're sick of bread. How about some meat? God got sick of hearing about meat. He said, you want meat? I'll give you meat. He caused a wind to blow. And for as, I can't even picture this, for as far as the human eye could see, he stacked up quail three feet deep. He said, I'm going to, he got so sick of them grumbling. He said, I'm going to give you so much meat, it's going to come out your nose. That's what God said. He said, you're going to have meat coming out your nostrils. You're going to have so much meat. See, in both instances, he said, I'll give you what you're asking for, but be careful what you ask for, because sometimes it comes with a little, a little jab. He gave them the bread of heaven. He gave them the fowl of heaven, I guess, quail. And then in Exodus 17, they got into a spot where they didn't know where they were going to get water from. So they started the same old thing, the exact same thing. Why did you bring us here? We're going to die. I wish we were back in Egypt. I wish he just killed us in Egypt. Because Egypt, you remember how nice it was in Egypt. It was so good. We all had food to eat. We all had slave drivers beating us. And, you know, it's just it's insanity. It's the exact same thing we do. You see, it is the, it's the first fundamental problem here. We feel entitled to what we had in the past, and we romanticize what we had in the past. You ever do that? I assure you, we all do. We get hung up on the past, don't we? We, we remember the good things from the past, and we should. We absolutely should. And, and as long as we can celebrate what we had in the past, that's good. That's a blessing. The problem comes when we get hung up on the past and we cannot enjoy the present or the future because we're so hung up on the past. The holidays just aren't going to be any good this year because they're not going to be like the past. Guess what? They're never going to be like the past because God is the eternal now. He has called us to be with him in the present. And that's always different from the past. And when we get to the point, we always feel entitled to the past. That's exactly what the people of God are doing here. Well, we remember in the past we had, and if you read all these passages, they they start naming off all this stuff. We had meat and we had leeks and we had onions and, and they just start naming off all the foods that they had. Now they're slaves for heaven's sake. You know, they're just scraping by, barely got enough to eat. But once they've been gone for a few months, they're like, oh, life used to be so good way back there in Egypt. We'll do the same silly thing. We'll, we will look back on how life used to be. You know, God can pull us out of a terrible situation. I can't tell you how many times I've watched this happen to people. He will pull somebody out of, a, of an unhealthy relationship that he's been wanting to get them free from for ages. And he will get them out of that, put you in another place. But you're in the in-between. You're in the desert between slavery and what God has for you. And in that in-between time, people start going, oh, I wish I was back in that relationship. Wish I could go back to that person. Wish I could go back to that situation. It was so good. It was so comfortable. That's what it was. It was familiar. It wasn't that it was so good. It was familiar. We start romanticizing that and feeling entitled to go back to that. When God's going, I have got something so much better. It is waiting for you. It's beyond the horizon. You can't see it yet, but you're so hung up right now on the fact that you don't know what that's going to be like. And you remember what it used to be like. And I feel entitled to the past. 
And I get mad and I start grumbling at God and feeling sorry for myself. Instead of feeling grateful that God has delivered me from the past. Or at least feeling grateful that the things that have changed from the past, even though some of them are painful and are things that we should grieve. I mean, the truth of the matter is, part of what's hard about the holidays is, there are people we used to have in our lives that we don't have anymore. Death or just life and careers and stuff have separated us and we don't get to all be together and experience what we used to. And, and that is hard. But the truth of the matter is, we're, we have God with us saying, I've got a provision for today. I can make life abundant and good today, even if it's different from the past. But if I live my life feeling entitled to have it just like it used to be, I will miss the blessing of God today. And I'll live with a burden instead of with a joy. The second fundamental problem is this. If we can't control something, we usually think we can't depend on it, and then we get tied up in knots about it. And you may say, what does that have to do with the text? Oh, if you just read on, it has everything to do with it. God said, I'm going to feed you with the bread of heaven. But I'm going to test you when I do that. And he said, here's how it's going to work. Six days a week, I'm going to cover the ground with the bread of heaven. You just go collect it and eat it all day long. Now, on the Sabbath, the day of rest, he's, he's always working to get us to understand about entering into his rest. There's a day of rest. I don't even want you going to the trouble of having to just go collect your food. So here's what I want you to do. He says, every day you collect just enough for that day. And you eat as much as you want all day. Now, don't try and keep it overnight because that's not going to work. Because I want you to trust that tomorrow I'm going to give you what you need for tomorrow. And he says the one time you keep some overnight is on the sixth day of the week you gather twice as much as you normally would. And on that one night you keep it overnight and the next day you won't even have to collect any and you just eat what you collected the day before. And that's exactly how it works. But what Exodus 16 tells us is there were a bunch of people who were not content with that. They're like, but what if... What if there's not any tomorrow? So we better collect a bunch today, and then we'll have enough for tomorrow and the next day and the next. And so they collect a whole bunch. But guess what happens the next morning when they go in to eat the bread of heaven? The next day, the bread of heaven has turned into maggots. It's foul. It smells terrible. They can't eat it. God said, I told you, you just gather enough for that day, and you trust me for tomorrow. And the one night, they keep it overnight, is the night leading up to the Sabbath. But they won't rest in that because they can't control it. They're going to have to trust God every day for God to provide for that day. I don't know about you, but that convicts the daylights out of me because I can identify so much with these people. I want to be able to control things. I want to have a plan. And I want to have access to the resources that give me security for today and for tomorrow and next week and next year and for the rest of my life. And I want to have the ability to manage that and to control that. And don't get me wrong. It is appropriate for us to, to do financial planning and to prepare for retirement and for the future and to have an emergency fund. You do those kinds of things. But you count on this. God will take you through seasons, certain windows of time in your life where those safety nets are going to be removed. And where you're just going to have to live a day at a time and a week at a time. And you're just going to have to trust that God is faithful and that he'll bring the bread of heaven into your life and he'll take care of you. 
And you will grow more in that season than any other season of your life. Because it's only in those times when all we have is Jesus that we come to really understand that all we need is Jesus and his provision. But we feel like if we can't control it, we can't count on it. If we can't count on it, we're tied up in knots. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, we live by what we believe will happen, not by what we can see. Translated in other versions, we walk by faith, not by sight. So how do you get past this? It's one thing to say, that's the problem. We ought to be like what the first half of Psalm 95 says. But the problem is we're more like our ancestors who get tangled up. So how do you get past this and learn to be a person who's grateful rather than a grumbler? Well, I'm just going to give you three things as we wrap up. Three ways to pursue an attitude of gratitude. And the first one is just very simply this. this is, none of this is complicated. Number one is just say aloud to God and to others who and what you're thankful for. You learn to be a person of gratitude by giving thanks. And I encourage you, practice this out loud every day for the rest of your life. David encouraged this over and over. Psalm 136 is a prime example where he says, Give thanks to the Lord. Why? For He is good. His love endures forever. You know what? If you don't have anything else to give thanks for today, give thanks for the fact that no matter how, how messed up you've been, no matter how bad you've been, God's love is still pursuing you. And it will forever. Give thanks to the Lord. He's good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, the one who remembered us in our lowest state and freed us from our enemies. Go back and rehearse the things that God has done for you and that he's taken you through and out of. Give, him, give thanks for that. And who gives food to every creature? Give thanks to the God of heaven. His love endures forever. Somebody taught me 25 years ago a very basic, simple discipline. They said, in your quiet time, every day, give thanks to God for four specific things. Every day, give thanks to God for somebody in your life that enriches your life or that's made a difference in your life. Don't thank them for the same person every day. But think of somebody that you're grateful for that God's put in your life. Thank them for somebody. Secondly, thank God for a physical blessing in your life. God, I thank you that today I have eyes to see. I can see all of your beautiful faces. Thank you for ears to hear the message. Thank you for legs that I can go where I want to go. Thank you for strength. Thank you for healthy lungs. Thank him for something physically that's right in your body. Number three, thank him for some material blessing in your life. We certainly enjoy the daylights out of all that stuff, don't we? God, thank you for the bed that I slept in last night. I love my bed. Thank you for my laptop. Thank you for my, my car that I drove to the church this morning. Thank you for access to the Internet. Thank you for a fireplace to warm up by. Thank, just thank Him for the things that enrich your life. And then finally, the fourth one. Thank Him for a spiritual blessing in your life. God, I thank you for your love that just never gives up on me. Thank you for your patience with me. Thank you for your grace that you lavish on me, things that I don't deserve. Thank you for your mercy that as much as I deserve to be punished, that you just continue to show me mercy. Thank you for all of these things that, that we have through Christ. Thank you for the cross. So here we go. We thank God out loud each day for someone, for some physical blessing, for some material blessing, for some spiritual blessing. And then what other thing to do to cultivate 
an attitude of gratitude in terms of, of voicing your thanks. Say out loud to other people what you're grateful to them for. What you're grateful for them doing. Years ago, 20 plus years ago, I, I used to work on the same staff with another minister who's from this area, Bubba Sawyer. Some of you may know Bubba. He's been here forever, played football at Alabama under Coach Bryant. Everybody remembers him from those days. But Bubba was, it was and still is, just one of the few people I've ever been around that can lift up everybody in his presence. Everybody wants to be around Bubba because you just feel better about yourself being in his presence. And one of the things that I loved about him, that I learned from him is, and it comes from his heart, wherever he goes, whatever he's doing, he's never too busy to stop and just thank total strangers for what they're doing. If he's in a restaurant, he's going to thank the server for taking good care of him. If, if you're walking down the street and there's somebody you know, planting flowers in Fairhope, he's going to stop and thank them for making the city so beautiful. Just wherever you go, to just stop and thank people for what they do. And, and people that work around him, he's always just thanking you for who you are and what you do. I've tried to let that rub off on me. If I'm in the restroom at Walmart and somebody's in there cleaning the bathroom, I, just going to stop and thank them for the good job they're doing, keeping it clean. Just just pause to thank people for serving you and for making life better. Thanking God every day, thanking the people around you begins to cultivate something in us. Now, here's the thing about it. Don't wait until you feel it in your heart. Sometimes you've got to get it out of your mouth before you can get it into your heart. That's counterintuitive, isn't it? Sometimes you've got to voice what you're not just feeling overwhelmingly because right now what you're feeling is like, I want to grumble. I want to tell somebody how ticked I am about how the day is going, how much the world is irritating me. I wish everybody else would jump off of my planet is how we feel. But instead, when we choose to voice gratitude, something begins to change in our hearts. The second thing we do to pursue an attitude of gratitude is just enjoy what you do have rather than grumbling about what you don't have. The Israelites ate manna in Exodus 16. It says they ate manna, the bread of heaven, for 40 years until they came to a land that was settled. They ate manna until they reached the border of Canaan. And suddenly it stopped like a faucet because they stepped into the land that had been waiting for them for 40 years. Crops for them to eat. All manner of food for them to eat. And God's going, I wanted to just feed you manna for a few weeks and then get you on solid food again, but... Uh, I was going to feed you from, from heaven for as long as I needed to. They grumbled about what they had and about what they wished that they still had. Bottom line is, we've got a choice to make. We can either grumble about what we don't have, or we can enjoy what we do have. So let's bring this thing home a little more. When we moved in our house this week... I put my hanging up clothes in two different closets. In my closet next to the bedroom are the clothes that I can get into. In the guest bedroom closet are the clothes that if I put them on, I can't sit down or breathe or eat because I don't fit in them anymore. And some of you have got the same issue that I have. Now we can either... And grumble that we don't fit in our pants the way we used to, that things are fitting tight. Or we can give thanks to God that we've got enough to eat. 
and we've got clothes to wear. We get that power bill in the mail. We can grumble about how expensive this is, and it shouldn't cost this much. Or we can give thanks that we've got heating and air conditioning. Mm -hmm. I was not meant to live in a generation without air conditioning. We can grumble that the only parking space left at the grocery store is at the end of the line. Or we can give thanks to God that we have a car to drive and healthy legs that we can walk from the end into the store. We can grumble about the fact that the grass needs mowing and edging and the windows need washing. Or we can give thanks that we've got a house and a yard. We can grumble about the fact the laundry is piled up. Or we can give thanks that all that laundry means that we've got family close by. We can grumble about the fact that all these people are constantly complaining about Congress and about the president. Or we can give thanks that we live in a land where free speech is protected. We can grumble about how high these taxes are and I have to pay taxes. Or we can give thanks to God that the fact that I have to pay income taxes means I have a job and an income. In virtually every situation, the glass is half empty and it's half full and you just get to decide which half you're going to talk about, which half you're going to think about. I'm reminded of the, the immigrant who moved to America more than 30 years ago and he had, by his account, he had nothing but the pants he was wearing when he came to America. Over the course of 30 plus years... He and his wife managed to get jobs and make a, a decent life for themselves. They had three kids. One of them grew up and went to law school and began to practice law. And another one went to school and began to teach. And the third one went to school and became a CPA. And he came back and was just looking at his dad's business and just kind of shaking his head and, and grumbling about what all, you know, just how far behind his dad was and how backward his dad was and all that his dad didn't have. He's like, Dad, this is just, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous what you don't have here. I mean, you don't even, you don't have a cash registry. You don't have a computer tracking things. I mean, even just your, your system of balancing your finances. You've got a drawer over here with, with, you know, the accounts of what people owe you and a drawer over here of, of what you've been paid. But you don't even have a way of reconciling this. You don't even, Dad, you couldn't even, if you had to, you couldn't even tell me what your profits are. You don't even know what your profits are. You just, there's so much that you don't have here. And his dad said, well, son, the way I look at it is this. When your mom and I came here 30 years ago, all I had was my pants. Today, I have a son who's a practicing attorney. I have a daughter who's an art teacher who's employed. I have a son now who's a CPA and you. We have a business that we run and enjoy, and we have our own home that we live in. I figure if you add those things up and subtract the pants, that's the profit. <laughs> Some of us need to learn to have his perspective. Are there things that you don't have? Absolutely, there always will be. Things that you wish you had? I'm sure there always will be that you don't have. But you can choose to enjoy what you do have and give thanks for that. Recognize what the profit is. Third and finally, just this. To develop an attitude of gratitude, share what you have with others who are in need. Nothing will do it faster than that. 
We, we look at what we don't have and get tied up about that. Nothing will make you forget that faster than reaching out to those who have a lot less. That's part of why going on a mission trip outside the U.S. is such a, a life-changing thing. I'm telling you, you, go, you begin to go and serve the poor in other countries, you'll never look at your life the same. But you don't have to even get outside of this country to begin to come in touch with that reality. It's part of why it's such a big deal, especially at the holidays, that we just look for opportunities to serve and give to others who are in need. And if you just pause to think about it, you've got people in your circle. You've got people that you know, people that you work with that are in need. In the course of our move, we discovered tons of things that we had that we don't need. Things that, a lot of things, quite honestly, that we thought about selling. But in each instance, when we think about, we, we could put that online, sell it, get good money for it. Every single time that we would think of doing that, the Holy Spirit would go, yeah, but you know somebody else who could use that, that needs that. That you don't need to profit off of it. You just need to bless somebody else with it. There's so much more joy that comes with giving to others and knowing that it met a need. That's why Jesus said uh, through Paul in Acts 20, we must help the weak, remembering the words that our Lord Jesus himself said, that there is more happiness in giving than in receiving. And that doesn't just need to be a week of Thanksgiving thing or a December thing as a Christmas deal. There are people around us in need in January and in June and throughout the year learning to give to meet needs. It's a lot easier to grumble than to be grateful, isn't it? It it comes more natural to us, doesn't it? But an attitude of gratitude ushers us into a place of blessing and favor, and that's what God wants for us today. Would you join me as we turn to him now? Father, you are so, so good to us. At times we're mindful of that, and at times we so lose track of it. Would you help us to have eyes to see your goodness and hearts that truly are grateful and then just enjoy your provision. Thank you that you do feed us with the bread of heaven. Just take a moment right now to give thanks to God for his goodness in your life. you ask him just for grace that that you would become a person that every day lives with a heart grateful for all the good things that you have God thank you for showering favor and kindness on us that we don't deserve I pray that you would give us hearts that not only are grateful to you but that in response to that just find joy in giving and sharing with others Would you take a moment to just ask God to show you somebody in your life that you could bless this season? Somebody that you could give to, that you could reach out to and share out of what God's provided for you. Ask Him to bring a face or a name to mind in a specific way that you could meet a need. And as God brings names and situations to mind... Would you just make a commitment? Lord, I'll follow through. I'll meet a need as you show me a need. Maybe somebody didn't come to mind immediately because God's going to put somebody in your path this week. Why don't you invite him to do that? Why don't you say, Lord, give me somebody this week. Let me come across somebody that has a need that I can meet. Would you speak and show me that? God, we trust you to do that. 
And I pray that you would use us as conduits of blessing. We open ourselves to that with grateful hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi. Thanks so much for taking time to tune in and listen to the message today through Freedom Online. Uh, We would love the opportunity to meet you personally anytime that you're in our area. But if today you heard something that really connected or that maybe you've got questions about, you'd like to talk with somebody or have someone pray with you, we'd love to hear back from you. You can reach us in a couple of different ways. You'll find on the website a contacts link. You can contact me or any member of our leadership directly. Or you can call us at the number that you see on the website or at the bottom of the screen now. Thanks again for tuning in, and we hope that you have a great week.